Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bears, people in the community that are doing great things for the communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of Canada, the Native American programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Indigenous communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Linda Whitney, Professor Emeritus from Valley City State University in Valley City, North Dakota. Linda Whitney is one of North Dakota's most accomplished artists who now lives in her studio. She is a printmaker whose mezzotints have traveled throughout North America, Europe, Australia, New Zealand, Serbia, Nicaragua, and Russia. And she's received one of four awards from the International Mezzotint Festival in Yekaterinburg, Russia, in 2019. She currently is exhibiting across the country and has one of the longest CVs of any artist I've ever seen. But what makes Linda so interesting is her ability to collaborate with so many artists and students, a prime characteristic of a good printmaker. So let's jump into this interview with Linda Whitney. Linda Whitney, thank you so much for joining us at Five Plain Questions. It's really great to have you here. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, would you be able to introduce yourself? Um, Give us a little bit about your background, what you do, where you're from. I was born in Minnesota, and as a first grader, I moved to North Dakota. So I'm definitely a northern, midwestern girl. Um, I'm older than dirt, so I've been I've been around for a while. Um, I'm dyslexic, and didn't know it. I, well, I was actually. I didn't know officially until I was an adult, but as a sixth grader, unfortunately, I went to, my parents moved me to Fargo from Minnesota, and I had a wonderful sixth grade teacher by the name of Orland Rourke, and he found that I really had some learning issues, and he taught me printmaking. And then um, his brother, James O'Rourke, taught me um, more printmaking in the summer between my sixth and seventh grade. And I realized that I see backwards. I'm directionally dyslexic. So I have to know where I'm going or I get lost, even in my own backyard. And I struggled in school until I got into art school. And then I flourished. And so that's that's really why I'm an artist. That's one of the few, few things I can do. <laughs> so, and I love it. I can't, I'm not complaining. I love it. In sixth grade and um, junior high and high school, uh, what type of uh, printmaking uh, were you working with, with the O'Rourke's and whatnot? Well, I know they don't, We it was really hard even to give college students when I was teaching sharp instruments to make artwork with. But in sixth grade, when I was in sixth grade, we did woodcuts um, under Orland Rourke. And actually out of 24 students, six of us ended up being artists. So you know that he had a great influence on us. And James came home from the service uh, that year and they started a small gallery in kind of a little art class situation in Fargo. It was down by the river next to Moorhead. Mm. And there were 
two or three of us in that class. Um, and he, ta he taught us more woodcuts. Wood and of course, that's what he did. He did a lot of woodcuts. And then when I went to college, I met my first etching press. And I, I uh, have a rendition of that sitting right next to me. Hmm. <laughs> I think I really had first become um, familiar with your work uh, when I started at the Plains. I was an intern and I was tasked with um, setting together the checklist for an exhibition that you were having there in 2017. And it was a fascinating experience going through uh, the catalog of work uh, that we had uh, for that exhibition. And I know we talked a little bit about this um, in email prior to this, but uh, I was I was just fascinated with your mezzotints, um, the the process to to just create to get the plates ready is something else. But um, the work that you do on mezzotints are are amazing. Well, thank you. Um, I really enjoy the whole process. It's physically demanding. It's um, emotionally demanding because of the subject matter, um, and most of it's dedicated to my last husband who passed away. He was a, a traditional powwow dancer, and that's what got me so interested in, in the imagery. But when I decided to retire from teaching, I didn't want, I was working in full color intaglio with about five plates, and I didn't really want to bring home the acids. Um, although I still have some toxic material because I do use oil-based ink. Um, so I decided I'd better investigate this thing called mesotint. And I started probably in the early 2000s doing some small mesotints. And then I met a group of people online um, called the International Mesotint Society. And it came out of... Uh, out of Florida, a gentleman who actually was a doctor in his real life and retired. He came from, from Britain and he retired to Florida and he started this group. And we started gathering together our knowledge and learning from each other online because we hadn't met, hadn't met face to face. And he had a connection in Russia at a museum in Ekaterinburg, um, where they have the International Mesotint Festival every other year. And so all of us have gone, have met <laughs> in Russia, <laughs> um, which was quite an experience. And that was so wonderful because there were a hundred mesotint artists from all over the world. There were over a thousand mesotints. And we, many of us, you know, are, might want to say closet learners. We learn in our own studios by ourselves, by doing. And so it was great to just be trading trick, the tricks of the trade and meeting people who were as crazy as we were, <laughs> because it is, you know, a very, as you know, a very long process, um, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours. Um, and it takes a lot of dedication and it's easy for life to snatch you away because it is such a laborious situation. 
But that's the one thing I'm good at. I'm very tenacious. My mother said I was stubborn, but <laughs> I'll call it tenacious. And the whole process, you know, I just, I just love the whole process. Plus, I can, I can listen to podcasts while I'm rocking plates. <laughs> <laughs> you need, you need something to uh, accompany uh, that process, that long yes. process of rocking plates. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yep. Uh, can you talk about your biggest influences, uh, both uh, when you were younger and even currently? Um, hmm. that's a good question. Um, I'm the oldest of five children, so I had the great p position of caring for my siblings. And um, that influenced me in that I understood I was a caretaker. Um, even when I was teaching, I was concerned about not just what my students were learning, but how they were navigating life. And so that um, also allowed, allowed me to connect with other people of like minds, um, caretakers. And many of us in the mesotent world are caretakers. And I don't know why, I, I don't know why, but... Um, so that is one thing that's influenced me. Also, history. I love history. And when I was teaching at Valley City State University, which is a very small university, I was able to teach art history. And I developed uh, a program called Tribal Art History because all of the indigenous people throughout the world have been left out of the European point of view. And so that, I just loved that. And every, every subject matter, whether it was um, the indigenous of this continent or China or any other place, Africa, I just, it, it really influences me. But the only thing I've ever lived is the indigenous um, point of view. I have, I've never... Uh, been been to China or Africa, um, so that that's really influenced me. The powwows really influenced me. The drum beating in your chest, uh, the beautiful regalia, the 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 athletic uh, dances and dancers, um, and the care taken when when a person is making parts of that regalia. And that's, again, time. And that's how I, I guess that's how I see my artwork. Not that I'm making regalia, but I'm spending the same kind of time doing my images as a person who makes a vest or a, or um, beads something or a jingle dress. Um, so <clears throat> learning, history, caretaking, and working backwards. How have you developed your career, uh, both uh, through college and post-college? Well, it's interesting in that I was fortunate in working uh, some with Laurel Reuter at the North Dakota Museum of Art. Um, I don't know if you know Laurel or not, but uh, she started as a grad student. In, she was an English grad student 
and she started an art gallery at, at Uni University of North Dakota. And I, I was her assistant for a number of years. And she has the incredible ability of meeting famous artists and bringing them to North Dakota. And when I worked with her, I got to meet some really incredible people and I got to look at their work and, and shake their hands and talk to them and have dinner with them. Um, so that was, that was really interesting. I, in fact, I just noticed someone asked a question on Facebook, Facebook not too long ago, who is the most famous person you've met? Well, I've met a lot of famous person people. Um, some of them are famous to everyone, and some of them are only famous to a few of us. So um, I find that getting to know people and what their uh, passions are is important um, for me. And I guess I guess I just count myself really lucky. How do you? How have you sought opportunities and how have opportunities presented themselves to you? Well, when I first was in school and we had, as an undergraduate, we had these visiting artists that came to North Dakota. Uh, they usually juried uh, an, an international, and no, all this would be just national um, printmaking show, print and drawing show. And so I, and in those days, this is the end, the late 60s, early 70s, you had to send the artwork in. You didn't know if you got in, but you'd send the artwork and then it would either get in or didn't get in. But, but we got to, we had to unpack the work. And so I got to look at everything, uh, whether it was a Jasper Johns print or, you know, somebody going to school in, in uh, St. Cloud, Minnesota. Um, and that was a real learning experience, but, but also we had to teach ourselves how to photograph our work when things moved to slides. And that, um, that added a whole nother layer. You not only had to work, uh, you know, make the work, you had to present the, the artwork and present it professionally. And that's still a struggle. It's hard. You know, it's a, it's a hard thing to do. Um, I was fortunate in that I was a student in grad school during the feminist movement, and a lot of women's shows started coming along because women had been really not, although they were very good artists, they just were not known. They didn't get the accolades that the men did. And so when these shows came along, um, it was really nice to be able to participate and we had a lot of competition, but we, but none of the men were there. Um, so we had a better chance. Uh, and then when I started teaching, I, although art, the business of art is not my favorite subject. It's something artists need. You know, they need to know how to write an artist statement or a press release or how to uh, present their work. Uh, now we do it, you know, online. We do it digitally. Um, but you still have to be able to photograph it, color correct it. You need, you need that technology, which, and I'm a Luddite, but so I struggle, but I guess in the struggle I learn, um, making these connections, whether it was with the Mesotint Society 
or other schools or meeting people that are in, in shows that I've been in. You know, that's, again, networking is important. Um, and, and know that you're not going to probably get rich. <laughs> Uh, if you want to be rich, you want to be a painter or a sculptor or an architect, <laughs> <laughs> but not a printmaker. Um, although you might have multiples, that just means you have multiples you have to deal with. It's not just a single item. Uh, and that's uh, also something that you have to pay attention to. Also, where do you put the stuff if you have an edition of of 27 or 50? Um, I've cut my editions down to nine because I don't know how many tons of how many sheets of paper, how, you know, how many tons of paper I have sitting in in this house that I'll never that'll make a good bonfire someday. <laughs> um, but that's, again, part of the process. It's it's a struggle, um, especially in North Dakota, because we are so isolated. Yeah, technology and the internet help helps us there, but not. Um, it's not like being in L.A. or New York, or Chicago, um, or even Minneapolis. It's again, you have to reach out. You have to write those grants, um, and just keep at it. From what I've seen with printmakers, um, collaboration is is a really big part of um, sort of that world. And uh, at the museum, um, we have a printmaker of Hannah Hearst Studio, Amanda Haidt. Uh, she's she. When you had mentioned um, uh, this this person in your past who's been able to bring in uh, real famous uh, mm -hmm. artists and people. She's kind of the same at the museum. She's able to make connection, these fantastic connections yeah. and bring people in. Um, in part, I think you've worked with her in the past. Yes, I have. Yeah. A couple of times. Um, she, uh, she took my class that I taught on mesotint at, uh, at, at the studio at um, NDSU. And then I have spent a little time in, in her lab, or in your lab, um, with people we had. I had some collectors come from the East Coast. They found me in a show uh, in Rochester, New York. And, and I didn't realize they were how important they were, but they were traveling through North Dakota and they wanted to meet me. And I said, let's meet at the Plains rather than... because. I live in a shoebox, and for me to get out any artwork to show people, I have to, I mean, it's its very, almost impossible. So I put together a portfolio, and they came to Fargo. We met at the Plains. They got to meet uh, Laura, and they got to meet Amanda, and I got to do a little, um, little show-off, <laughs> show some of my work, and they made some really good connections through the museum. And the museum made some good connections through them because the woman it travels the world. She is a, uh, a a print evaluator, and she looks at historical prints and contemporary prints and evaluates them, and um, can tell us what they're worth. So that was pretty neat. And 
that's the kind of thing I think you, the kinds of connections you you make when you work at an institution such as the Plains um, or the North Dakota Museum of Art or a university. You just, they're just those nice connections. And, and Amanda's really lucky because she's, she not only makes a connection, she gets to work with all those artists that come through. Um, really lucky young woman. We, we feel the same having her with us at the museum. Uh, amazing individual. Yeah. Um, speaking of universities, um, were you ever able to participate in the Frogman's workshops at the University no. of South Dakota? Uh, I was a single parent. And I always had kids hanging on my shirt sleeves, so to speak. All three of my children were raised in the print studios. Um, so I didn't do a lot of traveling or do residencies. Um, I did some visiting artist things with with people throughout the United States, but I, I didn't do very many of those either because I, being a single parent and always having to have someone care for your children uh, was was too many balls in the air for me. I you know, I just chose to stay home and make art. Plus I use I tend to get into whatever I'm into. If I'm teaching, I'm teaching. <laughs> you know, so um and when I taught at VCSU, it's a very it's a two person department and you do everything. You wear many hats. And it keeps one busy, really busy. What would you say to the 18 to 22-year-old that's listening to this conversation? If you're interested in being an artist, you can learn from everyone. Um, But you have to have the passion. If you don't have the passion, it'd be a lot better for you to do something else because... There will be skinny days, there'll be fat days, but there'll be a lot of skinny days. And you have to learn to accept rejection. Um, my, my mesitant friends and I laugh. You know, I might get into a show and they might get bounced. They might get into a show, I might get bounced. And you ha- you just, it's just, it depends on the judge. You get to a certain level, it depends on the judge. But that first couple times, it really hurts, you know, not to be accepted. And you just have to, you just have to have a really thick skin. You have to really be passionate about what you want and what you, what you can do. And you have to develop and hone your skills, um, whether it's whatever in the arts, whether you're a dancer or someone who performs on stage or a printmaker, or a painter, or a sculptor, um, or a potter. Uh, You have to have passion, or a digital artist. Um, You know, I'm not very good at digital. In fact, I I prefer not to deal with technology, but I have to. So I just keep on trying to learn as little as possible (laughs) to accomplish what I need to accomplish. Where can our listener find uh, your your work? Uh, is there a website or a place to connect with you? I do have a website. I'm not very good at keeping it up. Um, and 
I'm I'm in a show right now. I was fortunate to be included in the uh, Austin, the Print Austin Five by Five, which is five artists with five works, uh, and it's in a show. It's online. It's in a catalog. Um, but they want they want to do an Instagram takeover, and I have an Instagram site page, but I don't use it. <laughs> so they're a little frustrated with me because I can spend my time doing that or I can work on another print. Um, <laughs> but I do have, I do have Facebook and I have a, a studio Facebook page, which is just my artwork. And I have a website and that, that the website is lwhitneystudio.com and it does show some of my older work and um, soon I'll have uh, a couple new pieces up when I get time to go do that. Again, I'd rather be working on the artwork. We'll put links in the show notes for our listeners to to click on okay. uh, when, they, when they listen to this. Thank you. Uh, well, Linda, thank you so much for your time and being a part of this podcast. This was a really great conversation. Well, thank you for again for the invitation and good luck. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye. And that does it for this episode of Five Plain Questions. I want to thank Linda again for her time and sharing her story with us. My first exhibition that I worked on at the Plains was her exhibition, Regalia. And I was uh, an intern, and it was my first experience working uh, yeah, on exhibitions. And so I hold those memories of working and setting, help setting that up uh, very close to me. And I'm very appreciative of that experience and working with someone who was not just a printmaker, but worked with mezzotints, which is something that I'm also very, um, uh, I have a deep appreciation for. Uh, when I was a freshman in college, um, my college professor, uh, Lloyd Menard, uh, I would rock these plates for him. And uh, I think I was an undergrad. And it was just, um, just a, a good memory. Although I will say, for rocking tints, which is a process where you take this tool and you um, you sort of rock these, these cuts or, or these te teeth into these plates and you rotate it like 24 times or something like that. And they were large, large plates. Um, as I'm talking about it, my, I'm sort of doing those motions. And for you printmakers who've worked on mesotints, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, and these were, <laughs> these were very large plates. Um, but that experience, just being around printmakers as an undergrad was such uh, a valuable and fantastic experience. Uh, I have a lot of great memories and a lot of friends uh, from that experience. So uh, yeah, anyways, uh, something that just kind of comes to mind speaking about that. So uh, Linda, again, thank you for your time uh, and thank you for the artwork that you've given us over the years. Um, if if you have a chance to check her out, uh, check out her website. Uh, we'll put some links in the show notes on uh, what she's working on. So yeah, uh, again, super appreciative of that experience. More importantly, I want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community. Please join us next week as we speak with another incredible person. I'm Joe Williams. You can find me on Canna, that's C-A-N-A-A, -A, Creativity Among Native American Artists on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, across social media, and at the plainsart.org website. There you can see our programming, our past videos, and these podcasts. 
If you have a suggestion for someone for me to interview, uh, please look me up on Facebook and message me. I'd really like to hear from you. So that's it. You take care and we will see you next week. This has been an 11 Warrior Arts production.